Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello there, Radio Land. We are back. Oh, we're not back. We're back on the radio, but last week, this week, actually, we have been quite a long way. This is definitely Ayers on the Road. However, we are Ayers at the airport. We're Ayers in the air. And we're, in a way, we apologize for always calling in from an airport or a internet cafe or whatever we can find in whatever part of the world we're in. But on the other hand, we've had a lot of you tell us that that's what you like about the show, because you never know where we'll be. It's kind of like, where's Waldo? It's kind of like finding the Irish. And so this week we started out in uh, Cartagena, Colombia, which is a beautiful little city on the coast of Colombia, on the Caribbean. Colombia is quite a country. They've got the Pacific, they've got the Atlantic, and they've got the Caribbean. And they've got the Andes Mountains. Now, see, there, just to illustrate my point, there's an airport announcement, which sometimes happens in airports. That lends authenticity to the ambiance of the broadcast. Right, so going on, um, we had a wonderful time in Colombia. This was a conference of educators from all over, from Central America, Mexico, El Salvador, Costa Rica, and down to Guatemala, then on to Colombia and Venezuela and uh, the islands, and it was it was just fascinating. They were all teachers and educators for um, schools, private schools, American schools, and international schools. So. We absolutely had a fascinating experience and loved meeting those good people who are really sacrificing a lot to be teachers. We know that because we have a son who's a teacher who has a construction management degree and decided he couldn't do that for the rest of his life. And with all that pressure and craziness and took a nice big salary cut and decided to be a third grade teacher, which and is never wonderful. Been happier. Yeah. And it's true, we do have a huge respect for those who make education their career. And so that's who we were with in Colombia. And a lot of them were Americans who've gone overseas to Latin American countries to teach English or to teach whatever other subject is their discipline in these international schools. And so we had a chance to once again reprove our tried and true theory that parents, wherever they are, despite whatever religious or cultural or economic differences they have, they feel the same about their kids. They want the same thing, things for their kids. And the teachers, the best we think the best teachers in the world are often those who see their job as being the backup for parents, as being the support mechanism for a family, being sort of the second line of defense on everything, and my goodness, we met some wonderful, wonderful people. We we did two presentations, uh, one on entitlement and one on teaching your children values. I was pausing there to let Linda finish my challenge. <laughs> I was almost asleep on the job, um, but it was it was really fascinating. You know, the teachers are so incredible. Um, we had some amazing experiences. After a, an entire hour of speaking to these people, we um, had a principal who told us the most amazing, probably the most amazing entitlement story we've heard so far. We thought we'd heard everything on entitlement. We thought we'd heard every bizarre 
example of entitlement in the world, but this guy took it to a new level. Well, this was at a parent-principal conference because a teacher was having a hard time with a child who could not even pick up a pencil after himself. He was not picking anything up. He was just was knowing, showing no responsibility. And so the principal finally called the parents in to have a little chat. So the mom and dad were there, and um, they, they said, you know, what can we, what can we do? And they admitted it. They said, yeah, we know, we know our child is really entitled. We, we know that. What can we do? And so this principal threw it back at him and said, well, I always like to ask the parents to see how, how spaced out and how clueless they really are. And he said, well, what do you think you could do with this child to make him a little less? entitled, a little more independent, and it was pretty funny what the dad said. Oh, my gosh. The dad said, well, well, we could teach him to wash himself. And the principal said, what do you mean? He said, well, he usually just stands in the shower and puts his arms out, and then the maid washes him. And uh, then our sudden realization that this part of the world all have maids and chauffeurs and nannies who and people who take care, uh, who add to. So and just so, when I said to him, I thought that was the, the wildest entitlement story we'd ever heard. He said, oh, we weren't done. I, this principal said, I said, well, yeah, you could try to get him to wash himself. And is there anything else you could do? And the dad thinks for a minute and he says, well, maybe, maybe we could get him to... Uh, feed himself. And it turned out that the dad said, well, he's very addicted to his video games, and so he doesn't like to stop playing, so the maid, he just usually holds his mouth open, and the maid feeds him while he's playing his video games. <laughs> and we about died, I'm sure the principal about died, I said, uh, yes, maybe that should stop. And then they went through some very detailed plans of, to get rid of the maid <laughs> assistance at certain times of the day. And, you know, it was just stunning because we forget sometimes we parents who really haven't had that kind of help all the time and don't have to worry about that kind of entitlement. But it is very real in the rest of the world when there are so many people who are helping yeah, family. And one reason we one reason we tell you that story is uh, that... <laughs> Oh, now we've got a woman who talks really loud sitting behind us, so we're going to slip over to another seat. But, you know, when you hear something like that kind of an entitlement story, what you start doing is saying to yourself, well, you know, maybe it's not so bad after all what we have in the States, what we have in what we consider to be our normal circumstances. And um, so maybe you're not so bad. Maybe you're, maybe the entitlement problems we face aren't as bad as we think. But you know, one thing it did make us, since we're talking many of these teachers, we we said, "What do you appreciate most?" And they said, "We really appreciate parents who come in and talk to us about their kids." Parents who not only come to parent-teacher conferences, although even that is sometimes rare, but who who share with us what they think is happening with their kids and who ask for our feedback on how our kids are doing. And these teachers are saying, that's the way to team up, to do your best, 
with children. And, and we thought to ourselves, wow, I wonder if parents would try a little harder to think of the teacher of their child as part of the parenting team and to share a little more and ask a little more of that uh, teacher. Well, I think the thing that they regret the most is that so many parents send their kids to a teacher thinking the teacher is going to fix the kid, and it really needs to happen at home. They um, said so often there's just so many problems with these kids that parents could certainly help on, but somehow they just think, I'll just hand this over to the teacher, and the teacher is going to take care of it. So so picture in your mind this uh, this group of about 700 or so teachers and administrators from all over Latin America, and we love being with them and love being able to speak to them. And we also picked up a lot of things. I mean, again, that's the thing about parenting is whenever you're talking to other parents or teachers, you're you're certainly learning as much or more than what you're teaching. And one of the people who was there who we really, really liked, and we're going to stay in touch with her and do some things with her, is a woman, woman named Pam Allen, A-L-L-Y-N, who is the head of something that she calls Lit World, L-I-T World, and she also has a site called Lit Life, and Lit stands for literature. She's a literature teacher, and her goal is to reach out and get every kid in the world reading. Apparently, there are now about 790 million children on this planet who cannot read, who have no literacy. And that's not counting the adults who never had that opportunity in in grade school and so on. But she was absolutely fantastic. I thought she was awesome. She's just free spirit, very creative. She's organized in... International read read aloud day, and that'll probably come to our school soon because it's just such a good idea. It's getting these kids reading and excited about uh, the world that they can find in books, and we just thought she was terrific. And in fact, she went to the Philippines to do a, a workshop on literacy, and and she found that the kids were having to wade through water or swim, you know, chest deep or swim for about a kilometer, which is just a little less than a mile to school. So she went down there and figured out um, a way to get a boat in there. She went on Facebook and got some funds and got some boats to put these kids in to go to school. Now, my mom always used to talk about going to school on a horse with uh, three or four kids on the horse at a time, but that was a new one. I've never heard of kids swimming. Swimming to school. And and before we go to our break here in just a minute, let me just pass on a... uh, and something a lot of your parents will go right out and take action on, I think, because I know I did. I, I said to this gal, who's maybe one of the leading experts in the world on children's literature, what do you think's the best, uh, what, what's, what's your favorite? What's your favorite book, read aloud chapter book for youth? And uh, she said, well, it's a brand new one. Not many people know about it yet. It's just out. I think she said it's going to win all the literature awards this year. It's a book called Wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R. I, I got the author's name written down, starts with a P, but you won't need it. Go on go on Google and put in Wonder, and you'll come to this book. I, picked, I, got it, I got it on Amazon, and I'm reading it. I'm going to finish it on the plane on our way home from Canada today. It's an absolutely marvelous book about... 
a boy with a cleft palate and a disfigured face, and he's the narrator. In other words, it's his voice telling how people make him feel, and it gives you tremendous insights. And for kids to read this book would be absolutely fantastic. So we're going to take a little break for a minute, and uh, when we come back, we're going to go through the rest of our week. I think it's interesting, Linda, we've stayed with the seas this week. We've been in Cartagena, Colombia, and now we're in Calgary, Canada. And I guess uh, next month we're going to shift over to the Seas and go to Denver and Dubai. How does that sound? And <laughs> maybe Dachau. <laughs> but uh, enjoy a brief break. Go and grab yourself a pretzel. And we'll be right back on Ayers on the Road. And we're back. We hope you are, too. Um, before we leave Cartagena... We should probably say that many of you think, oh, Colombia, oh, dangerous. Actually, no. They've really cleaned things up there. The, in fact, two of the past presidents have been... President Uribe, who served for 12 years, two terms, which is all they can serve. They have six-year terms there, which, by the way, letting my political consulting hat go back on my head for a minute, I think that's what we ought to do in this country is have one six-year term for our presidents so that we don't have people always saying, oh, I've got to do everything so I can get reelected, and they become too political. Anyway, that's what they do down there, only they let Uribe have two terms. He cleaned up the drug problem, and now President Santo is continuing to, I don't know if he's eliminated the drug cartels, I highly doubt it, but at least he's got them under control to where they're not killing people and kidnapping people and so Americans can actually go there and visit this beautiful country. I just I, I it's not a travel log or anything, but Colombia has just about everything, including the Andes Mountains, the Pacific, the Atlantic, and the Caribbean. I mean it is some country. Um we found it to be so beautiful. Oh, general boarding, sorry folks. Anyway, let us just say that I have to say that I my appreciation for teachers grew by leaps and bounds and I of course I love teachers. I've always had a great affinity for teachers because my family are all teachers. Uh, I had a wonderful great grandmother who lived on a big farm in Wyoming and there was no regulations about going to school in those days and the kids could have stayed home but she insisted that her kids go to high school and then go on to college because she said, you know, you go. And they were worried about her with 10 kids, you know, so much to take care of on the farm. She said, nobody will know in, in 20 years whether or not the weed got harvested or the floors were clean or what we ate, but they will know if you got an education. And it's just amazing. All six of their daughters became outstanding teachers and changed, changed the lives of really literally thousands have kids. My mom alone taught a thousand kids in school and, and changed their lives. She was fabulous. So, you know, teachers can make such a huge difference, and it was so fun to see these people so focused on helping these kids be the best they could. So we do. We, so we really do love teachers, no question about it. And then we flew all day. I guess it was uh, two or three hours. days ago. Well, but kind of in the layovers, it was all day getting from Columbia up to Canada. 
But we've spent a lot of time in, in Alberta, and here we are again. And this time it was not an education thing. It was a church thing, and quite a good one as church things go. I mean, it was they had really done a job, and they had about 800 parents. And they had too many than would fit in the church, so they shifted it over to a hotel in a big ballroom. And um, once again, we felt that wonderful sort of commonality that comes when you're with a lot of other parents and we always start off by saying how many of you have preschoolers and in this case about a third of the audience did and how many of you have elementary age kids and almost half the audience or more and how many of you have teenagers and uh, another third or so and then how many of you are grandparents and there were a lot of grandparents there and then I said hey, I think some of you people left your hand up on all four of those questions. And sure enough, there were a certain spattering of people in that audience who, you, you figure this out, they're grandparents, but they have preschoolers, elementary, and teenagers in their home. You, you, you're way ahead of me. You realize these are grandparents who are raising kids, and that we see more and more of that, not always by choice, but bless their hearts, noble grandparents who are starting over in the parenting field because for whatever reason, uh, one of their kids or someone was not able to handle the parenting function. Well, of course, we had a wonderful guy in charge of everything who was a take-charge guy and let's do it. And, And we had about 700 people there, which was quite amazing and just all very dedicated parents and grandparents who were doing their very best. Lots of young mothers, lots of actually young mothers who have been reading our children's blogs, 71toes.blogspot.com and powerofmoms.com. Um, they, they all know our kids. I mean, we're, it's getting to where Linda and I, you know, when we meet someone, they're like, oh, oh, you must be Shawnee's parents or, oh, maybe you're Sadie's parents or Saren's parents. And so we, uh, you know, we're famous now because of we're parents of our kids. That's the only reason. And by the way... Which we love. One, one, <laughs> one of the uh, parents that we talked to for a long time has a daughter named Saren, which is our oldest daughter's name. And believe it or not, I mean, this gives us confidence that somebody's reading our books and paying attention because we run, we've run we run into dozens of families that have a child named Saren, and we know. And they, they also, well, so where'd you get the name? Well, obviously we got it from you because it's we named our daughter that because it's short for serendipity, which means a happy accident. <laughs> But she wasn't a happy accident. <laughs> well, she was happy. She just she was wasn't happy. an accident. Yeah, that's but right. she came on our first anniversary. She did. We ever told you that? First anniversary. And uh, so anyway, it's always a delight to see these people and to see people who know our kids. And you, many of you who are out there know the same thing because we're getting to an age where our kids are kind of taking the baton and running with it and doing a great job. Let me just say a word or two on that because we're so proud of them. This oldest daughter, Saren has started this, uh, it's really an international organization now called the Power of Moms, and they give seminars all over the world and gather moms together and talk about how they can have a better life, really, as well as be better parents, better moms, and 
it's just exploded, and all of you can go look at that at powerofmoms.com. But we're so proud of this daughter who just on her own found a niche that's probably better than any niche we've ever had. And then our second daughter, Shawnee, um, has a wonderful um, blog spot. And she, honestly, I think she's getting about a million hits a month right now. It's just amazing what these mommy blogs have done. They and often they're members of the Mormon Church because, and we've realized it's a lot of because they have been writing in their journals as they could write. You know, they've been encouraged to write, 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 and they have done it. And now here's a chance for them to share their feelings with other people. And it's just taken off. In fact, Pam Allen said, my favorite blogs in the world are Mormon mommy blogs. She said, I have four or five of them that I read every day. Her kids are 20 and 22. She doesn't have any little kids at home. But she loves those blogs from the, what she learns from them. Uh, Shawnee is a great photographer. And and so that's a delight as well. So 71toes.blogspot. Well, yeah, 71toes.blogspot.com. But this... I'm glad you mentioned that, Linda, because picture this woman who, again, this is the one we talked about before the break, who is maybe the leading advocate of child's literature in the world, and she lives in New York City, and she publishes, as we do, another coincidence with Penguin Books. We even have the same editor. That was a huge coincidence, but uh, picture her in your mind, this really sort of high-powered type A career woman, author, publisher, organizer, and and she says to us, you know, my favorite thing to do in all the world is just read these these Mormon mommy blogs because she said it's I'm paraphrasing, but she said it's like a like another world. It's a world most of us don't think exists where families are the first priority and where people love each other and spend all their time serving and helping each other and it's so sweet. But, but there was not a hint of criticism in her mind. It was like, we just admire this. It's almost beyond us to imagine it. And by reading these blogs, we escape into a place that's like another planet. And <laughs> so it, it's kind of fun to know that one of those bloggers is our daughter. Um, but going back to this Calgary event, um, there were about, what would you say, them 800 parents there uh, uh, just ready to learn about entitlement oh you did um actually and it really was so fun uh randy and kathleen um thorstein organized this they are a big force there in red deer calgary i'm near calgary an hour and a half um away but it was so fun to just get to know them and see those wonderful families. They were from everywhere. I mean, about half the audience was Red Deer and half the audience had driven a long way. And We didn't know if, if uh, there was so many people there because of us or because there's a hockey strike in Canada right now or because there's nothing else to do in Red Deer. <laughs> it could have been a combination of all those. But um, what terrific parents and moms coming up afterwards and saying, you know, how do you survive these trench years when we're in the trenches? It's so hard. And some of them giving us good ideas. And um, But, boy, you know, they're doing the most important thing that they could possibly be doing. And they know that, but it's just so, so difficult. So, um, I'm finding on what a lot of parents need, and this won't surprise any of you if you think about it. They just need reinforcement 
lot of times they don't, they, I mean, they'll always appreciate a good parenting idea or two, but uh, a lot of them just need to be reinforced that they are doing the most important thing they can do. And we can do, let's I try to do a little bit of that reinforcing, but what really reinforces it is to be in a hall this one last night with 800 other parents who are all having the same struggles, they're all having the same hopes and dreams for their kids and to gather together there's a kind of a there's a kind of an energy and a strength I think if we didn't say a word Linda if we just all said hey look around you go talk to a few of your fellow parents it might even be better than having us speak yeah absolutely and, and we had you know all economic levels and all kinds there last night there was the cutest man um, African-American there who uh, was just small. He looked like he was pretty young himself, but he said he had a 13-year-old and a 5-year-old. He was struggling with a 13-year-old and the cell phone deal and all that and what should he do and so on. And, and it, was, it was fun to talk to him. And then, you know, there were others from, you could tell from totally different lifestyles. And it just is so interesting to us to see that everybody is involved in this entitlement thing. Um you know, when we introduce the entitlement subject, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, but um, we had everything from well, that little father struggling uh, with those two to a teacher on the Upper East Side in Manhattan who said she was actually one of the editors that we talked to when we were we were presenting this book in New York. And she came popping in there and said, oh, I love this book because this is so amazing. My sister teaches preschool. Um, on the Upper East Side, and she uh, presented a lesson last week, and she sat the kids all down, cute little cuties, and said, now today we're going to talk about the four seasons. Who knows something about the four seasons? And she said this little four-year-old just hand shot in the air, and she said, I know, it's the very best hotel in Hawaii. And... Um, so she said, I know this is going across the board, starting with the preschoolers and going right on through. I think the thing parents worry the most about in entitlement right now is the technology issues. There are just so many things that we need to worry about with technology, and we've we touched on that a bit, but it's so important to have um, rules about this technology. If you've got a 13-year-old that has a phone, um, take him away at night. I mean, set that up before you even buy the phone. At nighttime, we're going to keep the phone because otherwise they're texting all night or they get signals all night. They're waking up in the night to talk to their friends and so on. So set in a certain number of hours that they can be on the computer and then off. As far as homework, you know, homework obviously if they're working on something that's truly homework, that's different. But as far as Facebook and all those things, it is so important to really give them parameters and so that they know what to expect when they come home. Yeah, and I think I think that one of the one of the really fun things that occurred to me last night is I was I was watching the audience a little bit while Linda was speaking and I was trying to see when they really got the principle that we were trying to teach. And um and what I noticed is that uh we, when we were making the transition and saying that the only way to get a child over his entitlement and to get him pushing towards real responsibility is to get him to feel ownership of some things. And they were all thinking about that. And then 
I just threw out this question. I just said, okay, to make my point, how, when is the last time that anyone in this audience of 800 took a rental car through the car wash? And they're all thinking for a minute, and they all start to laugh, realizing, of course, that you don't take your rental car to the car wash because you don't own it. And that's the same reason kids throw their toys on the floor, because they don't feel ownership. Anyway, we had a great time. We're out of time on Ours on the Road. We've got a really interesting week coming up next week that we'll be able to tell you about on the next show. And in the meantime, goodbye and good luck with the entitlement in your life. See you next time.